This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Stephen Jarvis and Friends podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about the deluxeeditionnetwork.com, where you will find the May podcasts of the month, which are Horsing Around and The Real Drunks. Also, you'll find other great shows on there, like Talking Shit, my podcast, the Broken System podcast, the Deluxe Edition podcast. Deep Dark Secrets, Flets, Movies, and Pulp Culture 13, many more. All you have to do is go on to the deluxeeditionnetwork.com on your computer or your phone and hit play. You can even go on to their YouTube channels, their TikToks, their Instagrams, their websites, and you can follow them because it helps out a lot when you, when you the fans, Help us out by following us, by subscribing, by liking our content, by even rating it. Helps us out a lot. Thank you so very much, and let's get into the episode. Today, I'm talking about the 1975 American thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg, Jaws. It stars Roy Scheider as police chief Martin Brody, who, with the help of a marine biologist played by Richard Dreyfuss and a professional shark hunter played by Robert Shaw, hunts a man-eating great white shark that attacks beachgoers at a summer resort town. Marie Hamilton plays the mayor, and Lorraine Gray portrays Gary portrays Brody's wife. The screenplay is credited to the author who wrote the book and who wrote the first drafts, and actor-writer Carl Gablet who rewrote the script during principal photography. Shot mostly on location at Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, Jaws was the first major motion picture to be shot on the ocean and consequently had a treble production, going over budget and schedule. As the art department's mechanical sharks often malfunction, Spielberg decided mostly to suggest the shark's presence employing an onomate, an onomate, ah, on, ominous, and minimalist theme created by composer John Williams to indicate its impending appearances. Spielberg and others have compared the suggestive approach to that of director Alfred Hitchcock. Universal Pictures' release of the film to over 450 screens was an exceptionally wide release for a major studio picture at the time, and it was accompanied by an extensive marketing campaign that heavily emphasized television spots, and tie-in merchandise. Regarded as a watershed moment in motion picture history, Jaws was the prototypical summer blockbuster and won several awards for its music and editing. It was the highest-grossing film of all time until the release of Star Wars two years later. Both films were pivotal in establishing the modern Hollywood business model, which pursues high box office returns from action and adventure films with simple high-concept premises released during the summer in thousands of theaters and advertised heavily. Jaws was followed by three sequels, none of which invited 
involved Spielberg or the original author of the book and many imitative thrillers. And in 2001, the Library of Congress selected it for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. Plot. In the New England beach town of Amity Island, a young woman, Chrissy Watkins, goes skinny dipping in the ocean one evening during a beachside party. While she is treading water, an unseen force attacks her and pulls her under the water. The next day, her partial remains are found on shore. After the medical examiner concludes she was the victim of a shark attack, police chief Martin Brody decides to close the beaches. But Mayor Larry Vaughn persuades him to reconsider, fearing that the town's summer economy will be ruined. The coroner coroner, tentatively concurs with the mayor's theory that Chrissy was killed in a boating accident, and Brody reluctantly accepts their conclusion until the shark kills a young boy, Alex Kittner, in front of a crowded beach. A bounty is placed on the shark, causing an amateur shark hunting frenzy, an eccentric and roughened local professional shark fisherman, Quint, offers his service for $10,000. Meanwhile, consulting oceanographer Matt Hooper examines Chrissy's remains, confirming that an abnormally large shark killed her. When local fishermen catch a tiger shark, the mayor proclaims that the beach is safe. Miss Kittner, Alex's mother, confronts Brody and blames him for her son's death. Hooper doubts that the tiger shark is responsible for the attacks and is suspicious. And his suspicions are confirmed when no human remains are found inside its stomach after dissection. Hooper and Brody find a half-sunken vessel while searching the night waters in Hooper's boat. Underwater, Hooper removes a sizable giant white shark's tooth from the boat's hull, but accidentally drops it after discovering the partial corpse of local fisherman Ben Gardner. Vaughn dismisses Brody and Hooper's assertions that a huge great white shark causes the deaths and refuses to close the beaches, allowing only increased safety precautions. On the 4th of July weekend, tourists pack the beaches following a juvenile prank with a fake shark. The real shark enters a nearby lagoon, killing a boater and causing Brody's oldest son, Michael, to go into shock. Brody then convinces a guilt-ridden Vaughn to immediately hire Quint. Despite tension between Quint and Hooper, they set out with Brody on Quint's boat, the orca, to hunt the shark while Brody lays down a chum line. Quint waits for an opportunity to hook the shark when the shark suddenly appears behind the boat. Quint, estimating that is 25 feet long and weighs three tons, harpoons it with a line attached to a flotation barrel, but it pulls the barrel underwater and disappears. At nightfall, Quint and Hooper drunkenly exchange stories about their assorted scars, and Quint reveals that he survived the attack on the USS Indianapolis. The shark returns unexpectedly, ramming the boat's hull and disabling the power. The men work through the night, repairing the engine. In the morning, Brody attempts to call the Coast Guard, but Quint, who has become obsessed with killing the shark, Without outside assistance, smashes the radio. After a long chase, Quint harpoons the shark with another barrel. The line is tied to the stern cleats, but the shark drags the boat backward, swamping the deck and flooding the engine compartment. Quint prepares to sever the line to prevent the transom from being pulled out, but the cleats break off, keeping the barrels attached to the shark. Quint heads toward shore to draw the shark into shallow waters, but he overtaxes the damaged engine and it fails. As the orca slowly sinks, the trio attempts a riskier approach. Hooper enters the water in a shark-proof cage, intending to lethally inject the shark with poison via hypodermic spear. 
the shark enter attacks the cage, causing Hooper to drop the spear, which sinks. While the shark thrashes in the entangled remains of the cage, Hooper manages to escape to the seabed. The shark breaks free and leaps onto the boat, subsequently devouring Quint. Trapped on the sinking vessel, Brody shoves a pressurized scuba tank into the shark's mouth and climbs onto the crow's nest. He shoots the tank with Quint's rifle, killing the shark with the resulting explosion. Hooper resurfaces it and paddles back to Amity Island with Brody clinging to the remaining barrels. Um, And that's the plot of the movie. The funny thing about this movie is, yeah, it faced a lot of problems, but it was still a good movie. Um, And, you know, Steven Spielberg, for as much shit as him and the cast and crew had to go through just to get this movie made... I think not showing the shark as often as what it originally was going to be was the best bet. Um, you want to build up that that soundtrack that they have. And if you haven't seen this movie, you have to watch it. It's a great movie. Um, it's funny that he... It's funny in that it scared a lot of people from going into the water because they thought sharks were so bad. But then later in life, um, they also had um, people thinking that sharks were bad and that they kill people and all that, which attacks do happen. It's just very rare. Um And Steven Spielberg kind of regretted making this movie later on in life. But um, he still loves the movie. And it's still a great movie. It would spawn other sequels that were good. Unless you count the fourth one, Jaws the Revenge, which is horrible. Um, But, you know, with this one... uh, It was really, really um, interesting to see how big of a legacy this movie had. You you have to realize that this was Steven Spielberg's first big hit movie. And, you know, he, he had filmed a television film called duel with uh, Dennis Weaver about a truck that you never see the person's face, but it keeps going after Dennis Weaver's character in that movie. And um, they also later used the repurpose, the sound of the truck from duel being destroyed as the death roar of the shark. Um, And it's pretty cool that he went back to a a movie he had made previously and used some of that into this movie, Jaws. Um, Great acting, great writing. Uh, Later on, the USS Indianapolis was such a secretive mission that when Quint had talked about it in the movie was the first time people actually really heard about what had happened. And I guess uh, people that were on the Indianapolis, 
that had survived that what had happened went up and thanked Robert Shaw for talking about it. And that is pretty much the review of Jaws. I, I hope I did it justice because, like I said, this is such a great movie that if you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you have, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, some people may not like it because it's not CGI like we have now with Meg- Megalodon and a lot of the animal attack movies we have today. But this movie really is one that stands above time, just like Godzilla, just like um, some of the imitation films from uh, Jaws, which were Grizzly, Piranha, um, low-budget films they were, but they were still good in their own way. They didn't have to be Jaws. Uh, Godzilla, which was released way before Jaws, didn't have to be a certain way. Jaws did not have to copy Godzilla. It was just what it was. It's a giant shark that's more related to Megalodon than we think. So that is my review of Jaws. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed bringing it to you, the fans. Also, please go check out the Deluxe Edition Network.com, where again, you'll find the May podcasts of the month, which are Horsing Around and The Real Drunks. And also you'll find this episode, this podcast, and many others on the network. Thank you so very much, and I'll see you on Tuesday. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. That's DeluxeEditionNetwork.com.